What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. This morning, we're going to the Bible because, so okay, repeat after me. The word is our truth. And, the, and our truth is the word. <laughs> Amen. That's why we go to the Bible. Every time we um, speak here at Convo, we want to make sure that the Bible and Jesus are at the center of everything that we're doing. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6 this morning. And the title of my message today is Digging Deep, The Power of Your Yes. And I am so excited to preach on this today because it is something that it's, actually, it's funny. So Pastor Kara actually spoke pretty much on the same thing on at ladies' night, so if you miss ladies' night here, round two. Um, but I, I always have an interesting, an interesting time when I talk to people who they've maybe experienced religion before and they've maybe experienced knowing about God, but they get kind of like a little bit bewildered when they're like, "Wait, I don't know. Why are you so sold out for this? Like, why are you so sure?" And my response is often a little bit of bewilderment back of like how could you not be? Like, he's so real. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand the question. Um, and, but I understand that having a relationship with God and having that intimacy with God isn't something that just happens overnight. It's something that happens from a life of essentially saying yes and the power of saying yes. And I, I didn't actually put this together for a long time. I was, I would often pray actually, I was like, God, how can, I don't, I don't really know how this happened to me, if, I, if I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know. I mean, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15. And from then on, he just was super real to me. I, I can't really pinpoint anything that was like, oh, this this is the moment that it happened. And so I would have trouble. You know those people who are, like, experts at something, but they can't teach it because it just comes so naturally to them? And you're, you're like, great, teach me how to play guitar. And they're like, oh, you just, like, do this. And, you know, it, yeah, it doesn't work. And I, I can't do that. So I need someone to teach me. So I was, I was praying to God, and I was like, God, and I don't say this, okay, I, okay, I don't want this to sound like arrogant. I'm like, I'm so close to God and other people aren't. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it was actually more the opposite of like, I was, like my whole life I've been like, I'm just such a normal person. Like why, why does, why would God even talk to me? Like why, why me? That's, if me, anyone. Like that's really what I would, would always think and think how can I, God, how do I share this with other people? And so this one day I was actually reading Luke chapter six and I got to the story about someone who builds their house on a rock. And this might be a familiar story to some people. Um, growing up, I definitely had, um, this was like maybe something in Sunday school we talk about. So we're going to read it together. It's Luke chapter 6, and we're going to do verse 46 through 49. And it says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like the person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears me and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against this house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So in this particular day, I read this story and I was actually about to move on to the next verse and just continue with my Bible reading. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, stop, read that again. 
And I was a little bit, I, I honestly wasn't expecting, uh, you know, when you're familiar with something, sometimes it's hard to expect that God would speak something new to you or something that would actually change the way you think about it. So I just asked the Lord, like, okay, Lord, like, what do you want me to know about this? And I read the, that first verse again. It says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? And I had this moment where it was like, in my room, it was almost like a mic, like a God, like mic drop, like on my bed. I was like, oh gosh. Um, both of the people in this story are calling him Lord. This is not, I always, I always thought that this was a story about someone who followed Jesus and knew him comparing it to someone who didn't know Jesus. And I felt like God was showing me, actually, these people had the exact same opportunity. They both know me. They both met me. They're both following me. So what's the difference? And honestly, this an analogy popped into my mind. So I'm kind of a visual person. And I took the opportunity when this happened to uh, practice my graphic design skills, which I'll preface this, I'm not a graphic designer. But these may be the illustrations of my first children book out um, in 2030. So I have some time to, to yeah, I have some time to help uh, focus on them. But yes, 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 yes. So this, I, you guys, I know, I know. It's pretty, pretty intricate work up here. So um, this is my illustration. And... These are the two people in this story, and they're building, they're, they're getting ready to build houses. And they're basi basically, this was what kind of changed in my mind. So in my mind, as a child, I always had this picture of like, like it was like a seashore, and like a house like up on a rock on the cliff, and then like a house down at the tide. And you're like, well, obviously the house at the tide is going to be in the ocean. <laughs> like this isn't a hard equation, you know? Um, but this, this was what like literally dropped into my mind. I was like, okay. These people are literally in the same spot. They are standing on the ground, getting ready to build a house, and the rock is underneath both of them and accessible to both of them. So what's what happens next? They start to build. So what, Pastor Keith, you know about building houses. What's the first thing you need to do when you build a house? Dig. We didn't even rehearse that. It's just so true that he knew the answer. So, okay, so person number one over here, he's digging. Good job, little white illustration. Look at him, he's like, isn't he cute? Um, and then the other guy, okay, the other guy is like starting to just like build a house. Can you imagine if you like walked up to someone and they're like, okay, I'm gonna build a house and start putting like two by fours on the grass? Again, that would be weird. So, all right, then what happens next? Okay, yeah, you gotta like, you gotta dig down. Like there's there's a lot of stuff that's not stable ground that you need to get through to get to the rock, the bedrock, you know? And then, see this guy over here, he's like, he's like, I'm doing so good, Look, check out my house, it's looking great, and this guy's like in a hole. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> next slide, please. Then he starts to build his foundation on the rock. Look at it there, it's like literally on the rock. The other guy doesn't have a foundation, poor guy. All right, keep going. That foundation. Look at person, person with his house fully built, and the other guy probably looks like w the day he started. It just looks like oh, the ground is flat. That's real exciting. All right, let's go to the next slide. Oh, oh, I got another one. See, see that progress? Yeah, oh, there it is. Okay, so both the houses are done now, and this is really great because I actually, if you were to cover up 
the bottom part on the surface. Both of those houses look exactly the same. I can attest to this because I use the copy and paste function. They are literally exactly the same. And on a nice day, that is something that is kind of in our lives, you know. Um, on a nice day, you can have a not very good foundation and seem like things are going, you know, life's good, you're happy, things are going well. My house is looking pretty good. But do we all know that the days are not always nice days? So what's going to happen? Oh, gosh. OK. So <laughs> this is what's happening, you guys. The storm is coming. The waves are coming. And that house that's on the ground is starting to like float away, which is not what you want of your house. OK. We're ready for the next one. Oh, dang it. OK. That's a heap of ruins. That's where the scripture ended for that guy that didn't have a foundation, a heap of ruins. So, but the really cool thing is that the house that was on the firm foundation on the rock is there and it's standing strong. So, the really cool thing about the scripture is the Lord does not make this a mystery for us. He wants us to be people that have lives that are built firm on foundations that are strong. He doesn't want us to be Christians that are unsure about why is it that every time a hardship comes, every time something happens, that we're floundering around and we're knocked off our course and stuff like that. He doesn't want it to be mystifying. He wants it actually to be very, very clear. And so that's when, that's why when Jesus told me this, I actually felt like he was dropping like a key into my lap of how, like, how he works. I know it's not always that simple, but sometimes... It is simple. It is simple. It's our obedience, and it's the power of our yes to what God is asking us to do. And it's actually that process of saying yes over and over and over again that leads to that digging deep and getting our lives firm on the foundation of Jesus, our rock. So, you guys tracking with me so far? Yeah. yeah. Do you guys, okay, what, do you guys like my illustrations? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I think, I think I'm gonna quit my day job and go into children book illustrating, so great. Okay, <laughs> so I wanna talk about a few of the things that obedience cultivates in our lives and how obedience actually cultivates this process of digging deep and getting our lives on the rock of Jesus. The first one is obedience leads to relationship. Oh, look at those little guys there. Um, okay, so obedience leads to relationship. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So this first part about obedience, it's this first layer. So even in that picture, there was, you can actually go back to the picture, Tara, if you want. Um, that first layer of ground is actually not the hardest ground. You know, when you're, if you're out in your backyard and you start digging, the first couple, well, I don't know, I've never dug a really deep hole, but you know, the first few feet <laughs> or few shovels, it's not the hardest ground. You can get that up. And I, I really do believe that that's because God wants us to actually learn who he is, come into relationship with him before we get to, you know, before he gets to kind of some deeper stuff that's harder. He actually wants to know us and for us to know him and for us to know his voice. And so learning learning his voice and learning how he speaks to us is so important if we're going to live a life obeying him. Because you know you can't obey someone that you can't hear or you don't know what they're asking you to do. So the ways that God speaks to us, first and foremost, is through our Bible. It's through the word of God. If you don't know what the word of God says, it's very, very difficult to know how to obey him. And even if you were to think that you heard God's voice, it's very hard to know that it's 
God's voice you're hearing in, in line with his character if you don't know what the Bible says about who he is. Secondly, God does speak to us directly. He speaks to us um, in many ways directly. It could be, for me, he often speaks to me almost as if it's like a thought in my mind. Like, I like, will think a thought, but it's a thought that I would never think. It's a thought that's way nicer and way better than I would ever think. And so I know it's God. Um, then that's, that's just one of the things that now over time I recognize his voice, but that was how he originally taught me what his voice sounded like was by saying things to me that I would never have said. Like, love people. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but he, he's changed my heart in many ways, so that's great. And then also God speaks through others. He puts people in our lives. He puts pastors. He puts mentors, other Christians. Um, and sometimes he speaks through people who aren't Christian at all, actually. He can speak through all sorts of things. Oh, I didn't say it. When he speaks to us directly, he can speak through, through prophecy. He can speak through visions and dreams. There are so many ways that God loves to speak to us. But first and foremost, whatever way he starts to speak with you, he's trying to cultivate that relationship and get you to know his voice so you know how to obey him. I actually wanted to tell a quick story because um, I remember the first time I heard his voice so clearly because, like I said, he was telling me something that I would not have said to anyone. I was, so I became a Christian at 15, and when I was 16, a couple of months later, uh, I was trying out for basketball. I was a basketball player in high school, and I was going to tryouts. I was excited to make the varsity team. I had been on JV for two years and been, like, prepping for varsity and stuff, and I was like, yeah, like, this is going to be great. This is going to be my year. It's going to be awesome. Like, I'm such a jock. Uh, anyway, that was, like, that was 16-year-old Amy. <laughs> and <laughs> go to tryouts, uh, and my sister was joining me at tryouts. She was a freshman. So we're, we're trying out together for the basketball team. They post the rosters, and there was one spot available in varsity. My sister and I played the same position. You might be able to guess where this is going. She made the varsity team, and I was put back on JV. And I was like, oh, that's, okay, that would have been hard. Honestly, that would have been hard for me if anyone had made the position over me. But my sister, who's two years younger than me, ouch, that hurt my pride. Okay, so... And it kind of, to be honest, it kind of brought up a lot of things because my sister and I had always had a bit of a competitive relationship where she would come into a space that I had maybe been in for two years because I was two years older than her. And within like two weeks, they're like, oh, wait, who are you? Oh, you're Jillian's sister. I was like, yeah, I've been here for like two years, <laughs> you know? But um, I, was, I was a pretty quiet and kind of reserved personality. And she was a very like, charismatic, bubbly personality. And she's, she's wonderful. And so uh, naturally, people knew who she was very quickly. So this was kind of like the accumulation of all of my like childhood angst coming out on the basketball court. Where I was like, ah, you, my enemy, but my sister. Uh, and so God, God started speaking to me. And so my natural, up to that point, my sister and I, like I said, I'd always been, felt kind of competitive toward her and a bit of kind of resentment toward this pattern that seemed to happen through no fault of her own. She's lovely. And I would historically have just been mean to her, been really mean, and just, you know, I don't know, I can't think of what I would have done, but I would have been mean. And I was a new Christian now, and God was speaking to me, and all these things were coming alive in my life, and I wanted to be mean, but I also wanted to love Jesus and serve him, and I could hear these, like, thoughts in my head, like I said, were not mine, and it would be like, love your sister, and I'd be like, ah, uh, no, or like, 
you should like be kind to her. I was like, no, <laughs> you know, and I just would have these fights with God. And, and I actually got to the point where I was like, okay, God, I'm up for it kind of, but I literally don't know how to do it. Like if there's nothing in me, like I don't know how to be nice to her. Like I'm so angry. And, um, God in that, so I was going to youth group and God was like, invite your sister to youth group with you. I was like, okay, no. This is my new space, my new friends. <laughs> they don't know her. And it's like, I don't want to, like, one more, one more place where everyone's going to be, oh my gosh, you're Jill's sister. Yeah, no. I was like, no. No. This is my new place with God. And, of course, God's like, do it. And I was like, no, I don't want to. But that was my, it ended up being my yes. And so I said yes to something that, honestly, I did not feel in my heart, but I knew that it was an act, step of obedience that God was asking me to do. And I brought her with me and it was really amazing what unfolded. She also gave her life to Jesus. She became super passionate about God as well. And it started a friendship. We became really, really close friends all through that season of high school and college and we're serving God together. And it was such a, and actually in that time, basketball didn't get easier, but it it diminished as the focal point of my life. My identity had been in that, and it was like the shift of like my identity being in God and my relationship with my sister growing and my relationship with God growing. And this other thing was like a challenge that I had to walk through, but it was not the focal point anymore. And one of the things I actually love about that story is not even, I mean, in the moment it was so impacting for me, but actually now, almost 20 years later, which is, I was like doing the math last night and I was like, how is that possible? <laughs> this is alarming. Um, <laughs> she's, she's a passionate Jesus follower who's a missionary. And I know that the seeds of what she's doing in her life now were planted in those seasons of our youth where if I had been so determined to be mean and be stuck in my anger, I, who, knows, who knows what would have happened? I don't know. I literally don't know. And so it's just one of those things that it was a first step, but it was actually me starting to dig that hole. I was starting to dig that hole in my relationship with God and seeing his faithfulness and seeing that not only was he faithful to help me survive those two years of basketball, which at one point I was not sure I would, um, but he was faithful to teach me about who he was and teach me that he was faithful. And I, and I heard his voice and that was honestly priceless. So second, Obedience personalizes God's character, and this leads to maturity. So I want to explain what I mean by this. The Bible talks about a lot of characteristics of God, and we do need to read the Bible to know who God is so we know what we can believe him to be. The Bible talks about Jesus being our Savior. This is um, Micah. So I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. I don't have them up on the screen for you, but um, Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us and you will trample our sins under the, your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. So this is talking about how God is our savior or our provider. Actually, Pastor Rocky was talking about tithing today. God is our provider, and he actually wants to provide for us in every area of our life. So 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And then God being faithful. This is Numbers, verse 23, verse 19, chapter 23, verse 19. 
God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So the reason I'm sharing some of these things is that there's a, so we need to know what the Bible says about God so we know what we can step out and believe him to be. But there's a difference between that initial step of faith saying, I have faith that you, the word says that you're my provider, so I'm going to, I'm going to believe that, to then when God comes through for you, and then now you know him as your provider. It becomes personal. It's not just something that is theoretical. It becomes your own story. And that is so important because we serve a real God who's active today. He's not someone who's distant. And if we don't actually know him in our personal lives, then we're, one, we're missing out, and we don't have the goodness of God to share with others. So actually, I was going to share, I was trying, you know, you're like, do I share this, do I not? I'm going to share a story. Um, and partly, just based on what we're praying about this morning, about just deliverance, I really do believe that God, um, God I believe God is a deliverer. And that was a word that was spoken over my life when I was 18. And at that time in my life, I was actually not living that reality, but it was a prophetic word that was over me that was like, you know the Lord is your deliverer. And I actually heard it, and I was like, hmm, I don't actually. I feel very much in bondage. But I believe that's who God is, even though I haven't experienced that. And in that moment, um, or in that season of my life, um, God was asking me to be honest with my leaders in my church about what was going on in my life. And I th I've mentioned it before, but when I was young, a lot of sexual stuff had come into my life at a young age, and it had just taken strongholds. It was, so there was addictions and addictive behaviors that really came out of that that had had a hold on my life for years. And so by the time I was 18, I was very, I felt very, just like deep in shame and stuck, very stuck. And this word that came over my life, I was like, um, I believe that, but I do not know it to be true. But I do believe it. And so I took that first yes of being honest with someone, which actually was not an immediate yes. It took me probably about five years of God encouraging me to do that, to have the courage to do it, which is actually part of that, when I see this, it's part of that building down. Sometimes it takes some time for us to build that that track record with God for him to have the confidence to say yes to those harder yeses. So my encouragement would be to say yes as soon as you can. But God is a patient God, and he walks with us on a journey to get to that place of trust with him where we're actually able to say yes to things that, I mean, that yes, that was one of those, this is probably one of the hardest yeses initially I ever had to make where I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. I didn't. I'm still here. Praise God. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that yes led to a healing journey, which was really amazing. God brought me into... God brought me people and programs that really helped me with tools to walk into a place of a place of healing. But I had not yet experienced what I would call deliverance. I was, my reality was that I believed that healing from addiction was being strong enough to stand up to the addiction. So I had the tools I needed, I had the support group I needed, but um, I had I grown up in a in a home where like the AA tenants were often talked about and the concept of like once an, once an addict, always an addict, like you're an addict in recovery, like those sorts of things. And so that was my truth. And so I believed I was walking in the healing that God had for me and, um, and I didn't think much more of it. So I was actually, this was like seven or eight years ago, I was speaking to our pastors um, and it, I was leading groups at the time in my church about, uh, that were basically groups to help women walk through the same journey I'd walked through. And in that journey, 
or in, in that meeting, we were having a meeting about what I was hoping for the future of these groups, and I just made a comment of, I really want other people to walk in the freedom that I've experienced where I'm strong enough to stand up to the addiction. And Pastor Craig <laughs> looked at me and he was like, uh, that's not what the Bible says about healing. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you guys, okay, true confessions. Um, I actually in that moment thought to myself, I mean, I know a lot about addiction. I know what healing is for this. Maybe maybe he doesn't like, you know. Maybe he doesn't know all of the resources that I know and stuff like that. So I'm like I'm like I you know I'm like in my head like trying to be like polite and like mm. but in my head I'm having this like internal dialogue, and the Holy Spirit came like piercing through my mind and was like, "You don't believe I can heal you?" And I actually honestly don't remember the rest of our conversation in real life. I was in a full out of body experience talking to the Holy Spirit in my head. I. I was like, I heard it and I just was like, <gasps> I thought I was believing for healing. I honestly thought that's what healing was. But if you're saying it's not, yeah, I believe you. Like, of course, I, like, I wasn't trying to be disobedient. You, do you know what I mean? And that's actually one of the things that in, in this space where we're getting down to that rock, God sometimes has to take broken mindsets away. There could be things that we're holding onto as truths that actually have no space being being in our lives because the word of God is the truth. And in the Bible, it says that Jesus is the deliverer and he is the healer. And so he needed to correct a lie. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, and so actually at that time, I, I just was like, you know what, God, whatever, whatever you want, you got it. And I said yes. And so that, that yes wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a yes to do anything. It was a yes to believe for something that I hadn't believed for before and that I didn't really know was possible. And honestly, I had not really had any evidence that I knew of to believe that it, it to be true other than the word of God and my pastor speaking truth to me, <laughs> which I appreciate. And so it, that started a six-month journey of, honestly, I, I really didn't do anything different I kept working the tools that I had. I kept being accountable to the people I was accountable to. I just kept walking it out, but believing that there was healing. And God took me on a journey where he honestly literally rewired my brain. And I woke up one morning about six months later, and I had been like in this weird funky fog for that six months. And it was like I came out with total clarity, and my brain felt different. And I, I wish that I could have other people feel this if they haven't, because I had never... Things came into my life at such a young age. I was like five. So I actually never remembered my, what my brain would have felt like without what I always described as like a hook. I had like a hook in the back of my brain that I felt like I always had to be on guard to that it could hook on at any moment to a temptation that would come by or whatever. And, and then I'd have to fight it. And I woke up this morning and I was like, I, did, I knew right when I woke up, I was like, the hook is gone. And I know, I was like, I was like, what is this? What is this? And then the next morning I woke up again. I was like, is it going to be gone? And I said, the hook is gone. And so anyway, it was like a whole week of every morning. I was like, oh, Jesus. But, but what that did, though, is it, it moved God from being in this space of, I believe he's my deliverer. I believe that's what the Bible says. But now over here, I know him as my deliverer. And that's something that all I can say is thank you, Jesus. You know, all I can say is thank you. So that's, and that leads to maturity and our life being built on this foundation of the rock. So the last thing I want to talk about with obedience is it leads to calling. And 
I, I also love this one. And, and some of these things are not super linear. In my life, God has, actually, it prepares for calling. I should say that. Obedience prepares for calling. In my life, a lot of the times, things have not necessarily been linear. God has been doing little pieces that have been preparing me for my calling while simultaneously walking me through my healing, while simultaneously helping me get to know his voice more or his character more. So while this simplifies kind of that process, God is, God's the master craftsman and he's working it all together. When it comes to calling, I think that people sometimes get a little hung up on like, oh, this person said that like God like appeared to them in a dream and told them exactly what they were supposed to do and then they did it and I'm waiting for God to show up to a, in a dream to me and tell me that I'm supposed to be an astronaut and then I'm going to do it and you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like th there's this kind of concept sometimes that that we are waiting for a really literal word from God of what we're called to. But sometimes God works that way and he may speak to you in that way for sure. But sometimes he starts building things in our lives just with being faithful with what's in our hand. And there's a verse in Luke, this is Luke 19, 17. And this is after there's been a king that has um, entrusted some servants in his absence. And he, when he comes back, he checks to see how they've done. And he says, well done, the king exclaimed, you are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little in, that I entrusted to you. So you will be governor over 10 cities as your reward. And there's this faithfulness that as we're saying yes to God, He'll div he will give us more. He will walk us into things that fulfill us like no nothing else ever could. He knows exactly what he wired you to do. He knows exactly what your purpose is. And he wants to actually birth things in you and unfold things in you that make you so, like make you feel so fulfilled and alive. And you may, you may look at other people and think, oh, like that's something for them. But like, I don't, I kind of just feel like a normal person. I don't know that God has a special calling for me. Honestly, being someone who's willing to say yes to God, will God can use an ordinary person in extraordinary ways if you're willing to say yes to God. So it's kind of the majority of where I wanted to land today because there's really not much else to say. It's really quite simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And I wanted us to... I want us to be people who build our lives on the rock. I don't want this to be, none of our pastors, none of us want this to be a church where we have Christians, people who follow Jesus, who don't truly know him and don't really have their lives grounded on him and don't really have anything, we don't have anything in our own lives that we've experienced that we can actually share with someone else and say, actually, I know, like, I hear what you're going through and I see that, you know, you're in this situation where you need God to, come through in this big way. And let me tell you about a story when God came through for me in a big way, and I believe he can do it for you too. We want to be people that have these keys that our, our world so desperately needs. So desperately needs. So this verse, it is so, like, it's the truth. Look what happens when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and obeys it. It is like a person who digs deep and lays foundation on solid rock. I want that to be us. Amen. I want to think about what God's asking you today to do. And there's actually, there's a couple groups of people I want to pray for. I want to pray for people who actually don't know how to hear God's voice. And maybe you feel like you've never heard it before. 
or maybe you've never taken the time to read the Bible and you feel like the Bible's daunting and you don't know how to get into it and understand what it's saying and understand who God is. I want to pray for the, for people who are in that that space because I know that I know that it would be so difficult to obey someone that you can't hear and then you can't understand. So that's the first thing we're going to pray for today. And then I also want to pray for people who feel like God's asking them to say yes, and it's a hard yes, and they've been resisting having that faith to step out and be like, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll trust you in this. I'll have this conversation. I'll make this change. Whatever it is, sometimes the yeses are it's a, it's a, just a heart change. Sometimes it's not actually an action. Sometimes it is an action. And so I want to pray for those two people first. And so actually, I'm just going to have you all close your eyes and bow your heads with me. And if you're, if you're part of that, that first group, if you're someone who just really wants to know how to hear God's voice clearer and you feel like that's been something that hasn't really become obvious to you yet, just actually if, raise your hand if that's something that you're wanting. And I'm going to pray right now that God would reveal to you his voice. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for every person who's raised their hand, Lord, their hearts toward you of just saying, God, I, I want to hear your voice. Lord, your scripture says, come and talk with me, and our hearts respond, Lord, we are coming. And I just pray right now, Lord, for every person who has raised their hand wanting to hear your voice. Lord, I pray that the Bible, when they read it, it would come alive to them, that they would hear your voice and see your voice in the text, that they would understand who you are in a new way. And Lord, I also pray that throughout the day that they would hear hear you in different ways, Lord, whether it's a thought in their mind that they recognize for the first time as you speaking, if they have dreams in the night where you give them visions, God, I just pray that there would be just a reality of, of, of your voice in their lives. And Lord, we also pray for people who are facing a yes. And if that's you, actually, you can just raise your hand if you feel like you're facing a yes that God's asking of you and you need, you need some help to, to be faithful to step into that. Raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the just the willingness of these hearts, Lord, to say yes. I thank you, God, that you are you are the faithful one that when you ask us to say yes, you always come through on the other side. And Lord, I also pray that you would just help us to recognize how you come through. I know that sometimes when we say yes, we haven't we have an expectation of how that yes will play out. And Lord, I just pray that you would make us responsive and receptive to seeing the yes, how you, how you're playing it out. You're the one who's in charge. Lord, I pray just for grace for each of these people that have said yes to you in a, in a deeper way. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at ConvoChurch. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Convo Church Podcast.